Welcome to the Growing Family Podcast. We're a family of four discovering what it means to grow our family and our farm, one season, one seed, and one animal at a time. Get ready to grow with us. Today we're talking about edible landscaping. Welcome back. Let's start with a pup date first. Um, the little guys are growing and getting bigger and fatter. Uh, what have you noticed different, Morgan? Well, their eyes are open now. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the biggest change between last year or last week and uh, this week. Uh, they have started to open their eyes, and you will definitely hear them in the background as we record this because they are really enjoying a meal right now. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of walking a little bit too. Before they were army crawling. Yeah, it's a lot more of like an intentional steps and less of like the scooting maneuver that they were doing before. So it's kind of cool to see them become more dog and less puppy. <laughs> yeah. I just think they're getting really big. They're growing every single day. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I like the, um, the color change that cattle dogs have. As they go from that like white fur that they started out um, to more of that mottled color, they get that ticking in there. We do have one puppy that I'm thinking is going to be a white cattle dog. She has pretty much not changed in any way color-wise. All the other ones are starting to get kind of a gray coat to them. She is holding on strong with that white coat. So Ghost is the one that you guys heard last week uh, right at the end kind of making little noises. She is... Still very white, and so we'll see what she ends up looking like. I'm just very interested. Yeah. It's cool because it's like we took a little piece of our quarter-acre farm with us, even though we're not at that quarter-acre anymore. But we kind of want to do a look back today on some of the things we did on that quarter-acre, trying to make it into um, an edible landscape. Can you talk about that, Stephen? Yeah, I mean, I guess I kind of dabbled in different places that I've lived. But I guess that house that we bought when we first got married, um, on a, like like you said, a quarter of an acre, was pretty much our first like real stab at like full on redoing landscaping in a way that is both edible and also uh, had like a, a hint towards natives, um, just as vir- a virtue of my my work. So yeah, do you want to tell them a little bit about your work? Yeah, so I, I work at a local nursery right now. It's my, like, 9 to 5 um, till this gets to paying the bills. Who knows when that will happen. Um, but uh, right now, so I work at a native uh, plant nursery. We grow trees and shrubs from seed. So it's a super cool place to learn about plants and, and just interact with people who, like, just love plants and, and especially natives. And that seems to be the big push, um, which, you know, rightly so. So kind of some of the plants that I brought home were basically like adopted from the nursery. Um, things that maybe weren't the most beautiful looking plant and they couldn't sell to like a retail customer, but you know, with a little TLC could be brought back to something that, you know, is still a productive plant. Maybe has a little hook in the trunk or, you know, it's not going to be the perfectly straight tree, but it'll still produce fruit. Um, so a lot of that was from there. And then, yeah, just going to different uh, plant nurseries and even just like if you're going to Lowe's, just go through the garden center and see what kind of deals they got going on or tractor supply. You know, at the end of the season, they'll get rid of some of their trees and shrubs at like a discounted rate. And so you roll the dice and you might take them home and they all die. 
because they just weren't taken care of very well. Um, those places, a lot of the people that work in those garden centers are just just there for a paycheck. They don't really care about plants that much. And so, unfortunately, they just kind of get um, not well taken care of. And um, I thought maybe I could give them a better life. So a lot of the plants came from that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a, a little bit about what we already had on the property that we kept and then what we took away and what we added? Yeah, so I can kind of go through, I guess, how my mind works spatially, so I might just start, like, in the front yard and kind of work my way around. So we had plants that were already there when we moved in. There were two very large spruce trees in the front yard. There's, There were, um, oh, I think that one plant is called a Daphne. That's like a shrub. It's uh, I Don't quote me on that because it may be wrong. But that's like an African, like a native uh, to Africa plant that has really beautiful purple blooms in the early spring and so that was really pretty to have although fully toxic the whole plant you know leaves and flowers and everything um like had a cool smell to it but i wouldn't eat the leaves and then yeah we had like burning bushes like you know your classic things that were put in as landscape plants and still are um that maybe aren't necessarily the best um that have spread and continue to spread and are kind of invasive now so we had those we had uh, some like an azalea plant and there were some hostas which i would have liked to keep this like the one thing that got torn out that i didn't want to uh, lose and then yeah just some yews on the side and there were some like overgrown mulberry trees which we ended up trimming way down and then keeping that was on the side yard and then In the backyard, we had a huge silver maple. So this thing was like, I don't even know how tall, probably a good 80 to 100 foot tall um, and just as wide. The branches were bigger than like three of me strapped together. So would have been a nice, that would have been a nice tree for like a tree fort. So um, what are the benefits or the things that people would like about having an edible landscape i mean why why that yeah like beyond i mean i guess the the obvious one is that it's food for your family um that is probably the biggest thing for me was that i wanted to you know try to find plants that were going to look nice but also that had like a use um and some of that is cultural like you just don't know. Like you can see a redbud tree, and I can tell you that every part of it's edible. But until you've taken the like immature seed pods and fried them up in a stir fry, it's not like obvious how you're going to do that. And the same thing with a lot of plant leaves. You know, you can use them in like teas, or you can use them to wrap things to steam them. You can just eat them in a, in a fresh salad. But you don't know until you do it how you're going to react to it, how if you're going to like it, if your family's going to like it. And so some of those things is just fun to experiment with and see if you if you like it, if you don't like it, if your family likes it, if your family doesn't like it, and et cetera. So, um, yeah, so I guess that's, that's kind of not an exact answer to your question, but kind of close. So the idea, too, is that you would just walk in your backyard and anything back there you could eat or use, right, as food or medicine or tea or something correct yeah that would be the hope i mean you have your obvious stuff like apple trees and you get an apple you know um 
cherry tree, same thing, you know, plum or pear, whatever. Um, but I think so because of the, the virtue of having, you know, my where I work, um, then I was able to kind of infuse more natives into that. But then also because of my uh, interest in going to garden centers and picking up the strays, um, we ended up with a lot of like cultivars as well. So um, in the front yard, we ended up um, kind of, there were a couple volunteer, there's a huge redbud in our neighbor's yard. And so we had some volunteer redbud trees that just so happened to plant themselves on the corners of each of the front corners of our house and just about the same distance from the, uh, the foundation. And so just kind of like allowed that to happen naturally. And so that wasn't even something that we planned or that we, I don't want to say didn't want, but that we wanted to happen in that way that wasn't designed. It just happened. And they were good, straight, sturdy trees that grew, you know, pretty similar, um, speeds. And so, yeah, it just kind of perfectly worked out that it was like, it may still made the front yard look symmetrical and, and attractive, but it was a way to replace maybe those burning bushes that were in the corner with a nice native, like smaller understory, um, tree that has edible uses, medicinal uses. Also red buds are, um, a legume, which means that they fix nitrogen in the soil. So it's actually in improving the soil health as well. So that was just like a perfect thing, you know, that happened. What are like the four must haves in your backyard? Oh <laughs> do you God. have any? I think it just depends. It depends on the person. You know, what do you want? What do you, what do you eat on a regular basis? You know, people, there's a native um, blueberry. If you like blueberries, plant that. But they're a little fickle. You know, they don't, they need very acidic soil. So if they don't do well, what are you going to do? Well, an alternative would be a service berry tree or shrub. Um, so the, the service berry berry is so close to a blueberry. Like if you used it in a baked good, you could call it blueberry. No, no, the difference, you know, so you could plant service berries, which are also native and like to grow. Um, you know, they don't need some, some specific pH soil. They just do really good everywhere. You know, you give them enough light, they'll fruit. And so that's a good alternative. We did have some of those. I planted some of those service berries, um, both uh, the canadensis, which is like the, the what's it, I guess it would be considered like the Canadian service berry, um, but it's uh, more of a shrub form, and then also the uh, Allegheny service berry, which is like a small tree. We had elderberry, right? Or... Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so much elderberry. <laughs> which that's one of the ones that like, we... You and I, growing up, I didn't use elderberry for anything. I never had tinctures or any kind of like elderberry syrup or elderberry in anything. But I just know that it is medicinal and I know that people can use it in different types of products. And so we just, and we had access to so much of it and it grows so well from cuttings that, shoot, I just, when I pruned them, I would just stick the cuttings in the ground and then those would be new plants the next year. And so... We went probably, what, two years doing that, and um, between, so I got the native elderberries from um, my employer, and then also I picked up some of the European black elderberry from uh, probably Lowe's, I don't know, <laughs> usually it's Lowe's, um, 
And then I also was able to get some red elderberry. And so it was pretty cool that we had like multiple different species of the same thing, um, or I guess varieties of the same species um, in our yard. And we, we got a very small harvest of those uh, as much as we had because of that huge um, silver maple. It kind of like shaded them out, but still yeah. pretty cool. Can you tell them more about the silver maple and what we did with that? That was already in the yard. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, that tree is so big. It, like How old? Oh, I, who knows? Probably, probably older than the house. It was probably there when the house was put in. Oh, they grow so fast, though. Maybe not. Um, but, yeah, that was a huge house. Or, it's not a huge house. Huge uh, silver maple with lots of squirrels in it, um, which were very not nice to my garden, but... Yeah, I would say, so we put, what did we do in that thing? We put, oh, you wanted a, a swing, and so we put a little swing in there. That was cute. Um, we got lots of pictures of that. We tried a bat house. Yeah, we attempted to put a bat house <laughs> in, so because of how shaded that yard is and just the way everything was back there, um, there was a lot of mosquitoes that first year that we were in there, and so we were trying to plant plants, and I don't know how, I don't know how, accurate it is but there's a lot of plants that people say repel mosquitoes or bugs or whatever so we that first year we had a big focus on what plants can we put in the ground that are going to keep mosquitoes away and also you know how can we encourage the birds and bats and bugs that like to eat mosquitoes so one of those attempts was putting a bat box up in in that big silver maple i don't think i ever saw a bat come out of it but maybe one day is that called like a food forest when you're utilizing all those different things to bring in the right kind of animals that you need to help you and also planting the right things in your backyard? I guess I want to know more about food forests. Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably a definition somewhere of what a food forest is. Um, I don't have it memorized, but I would say in my mind a food forest is pretty straightforward you know it's a it's a forest type ecosystem um, made up of plants that provide food Um, and that could be for you you know a human it could be for you and your livestock whatever that might be for us it was chickens and rabbits Um, it could be that you're providing food for animals that are just around you know like the squirrels they they love that place Um, Because there was a a big black walnut in the neighbor's yard. But (laughs) so uh, I guess food forest to me in my like vision of a food food forest would be um, multiple layers of canopy. So you'd have an an overstory, large tree, probably a nut tree in my mind. And then you have like a midstory of like your larger fruit producing trees. um, And then probably and then an understory of smaller trees and shrubs and then that gets down to some of like your shorter shrubs and trees maybe you have some vines growing up those trees some grapevines or whatever and then um, also a ground cover of something edible so at, at every level there is a plant type that is taking up that space in the canopy to, to grab that much sunlight to then produce food um, that would be my very long-winded definition of a food forest and so like a perfect example to me would be if you had like, oh, let's say a wall, black walnut tree 
and then underneath that you've got like a persimmon tree which is going to get into like a 25 maybe 30 foot could be higher could be bigger um but your black walnut tree might be 80 to 100 foot tall so then you have black walnut persimmon maybe get some pawpaw trees in around there they're going to take up that 15 to 20 foot height range and then around that you can plant elderberries because they're going to be closer to that 10 to 15 foot range at, at mature height and then maybe you've got some serviceberry bushes underneath that or blueberry bushes underneath that that take up that kind of waist height range to, to eye level range and then beneath that you're growing who knows you could have any kind of vegetables growing through there you could have um, let's say uh, like an Egyptian walking onion kind of in that area you could do um, yarrow you could do some low bush blueberry which are a shorter plant um, raspberries blackberries that kind of stuff although they'll take over and then strawberries as a ground cover and then look you have fruits and nuts at every level you know you could do hazelnut bushes they're like a 10 to 15 you could replace like your elderberry bush with a hazelnut bush and then you have a tree that's producing nuts as well and so you've got fruits you've got nuts you've got medicinal um, vegetables you got anything and everything you I mean you just plug and play whatever fits in that area I just use that as an example because it's one I like but because <laughs> um, I like pawpaws and elderberry and persimmon and all that but yeah I mean you could really do whatever you want and it has more to do with the person managing the system um, than anything and obviously where you're located the amount of access to water that you have those things and you want to plant them in a certain, like, you want enough space between planting them, right? So then the roots have the area they need to grow. You don't want them stacked on each other. Yeah, for the most part, I'd say it just depends. Like, if you want it to be pretty, space them. And you can mulch around them, and you can mow around the mulch that's around them. Um, if you want, like, a like a permaculture food forest, whatever that is, um, you just want whatever that is thing. And um, you don't have to mow. <laughs> yeah, I prefer not to mow. So that, to me, is, a, is a, a good reason to stack stuff on top of other stuff because then you don't have to mow between it. Um, but, I mean, for, for production purposes, you're going to want to space things out so that they get good light all around the canopy because the light is what's going to help um, ripen that fruit. So if you're going at this for from a production standpoint, like you want to have a permaculture orchard or vineyard or whatever with that, but with that idea, then spacing is going to be your friend. Um, it just it all depends on your on your goals. You know, if you just want a big forest area, you're going to have way less production per plant, but you can stack everything in, and it's going to look more like what a forest is going to look like naturally. So. You put more management into it to have it look pristine and to have pretty little mulch rings around everything and have the grass all mowed low and all that. You have to put more inputs in yourself managing that, but then you get a higher higher amount of productivity from that system as well. So it really just depends on the amount of um, work you want to do and also like what are your goals. If you're trying to feed your family, how many trees do you need to feed your family? Well, that's going to depend on a lot of things. 
Yeah, and what I miss and I loved the most about our backyard is that you'd walk back there. It's only a quarter acre, but it felt like so much more. It did not feel like you're walking into someone's backyard. It felt like, oh, I'm going into a forest. I'm about to go camp, and it was very peaceful, especially I loved the swing on the maple tree. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It just felt – a lot of people said that, too, about our backyard. It was just like, whoa, when you got back there, like – this is really cool um, how much is going on in just a small space. You can really use your space. Yeah, it was definitely a work in progress. Um, we went through a few different design, like, styles, I guess. Um, we had that little garden area that was separate from the main area. Um, but even in there, we had, we had red buds at the end of the, at the, end of the rows of, um, what was that, blackberries and raspberries. So that they were helping to, you know, fix nitrogen in the soil. And then we had, eventually we put together a couple um, piles of um, compost. And that was a good way to use our yard, our waste from the house um, so that we're not just throwing it out. We were able to actually compost a lot of that food waste. Um, and then sometimes the chickens get in there and spread that around. So that was good. But yeah, I thought, I thought by the time we left, we were starting to really get a rhythm going, I think. So our, our garden setup went through a few different iterations. We started out with like a traditional, you know, a bunch of rows of stuff that didn't really work out just because where the garden had to be placed was right underneath some pretty big canopy, um, what were those, white pines. And so all those needles casting off the white pine was just acidifying that soil around there. So instead of fighting that, we decided to do um, raised beds but using straw bales and that first year that was kind of rough because straw bale gardening is a different game than like your normal raised bed gardening so we, once we figured out that I thought that last year that we were there it was like getting into a nice rhythm you know the garden looked good it looked like a garden and then we put in instead of using all that for vegetate for vegetable vegetables apparently i can't talk today um instead of using all that for vegetables we put in rows of uh two rows of raspberries a rows of a row of blackberries and then a row of huckleberries um which i really hope that whoever bought that the people that bought that house didn't tear those out because those, those are super cool um and it's not something you see everywhere so yeah with that and the compost system and the little greenhouse we built ended up being a pretty cool little garden area and then on the other side of the backyard see that was just one part um then we had that little fire pit which is nice for um burning uh extra limbs and things like that and then using those um coals and stuff like that to then put in the compost and that that adds another layer um, to that compost to help fix that nitrogen or i guess hold nutrients um, as like a biochar which we don't have to get into that that's a whole different thing but the other side of the um, yard we had the chickens it's like a chicken rabbit system, um, so all the manure from all of that we could take and then compost as well, and then we kind of free ranged our chickens <laughs> depending on the day. Um, they had they had range of the whole backyard being only on a quarter acre. You know they we can't re we weren't going to really move them in a chicken tractor setup, so they kind of just had free range and picked their favorite spots, but. I think we might even be able to do a full episode about the chickens and rabbits. 
and that setup and that idea. Yeah, for that's a good idea. Want to? We can go more. a little more deep into that. Yeah, because that was a whole that was a whole process in and of itself. Yeah. And what advice would you give to someone who's just now getting started with wanting to have an edible landscape? Maybe they have a small garden already, but they want to do more. Yeah, I mean, so you'll hear this everywhere, but um, people always say the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago, a fruit tree usually. <laughs> nut trees are even worse. It's like the best time to plant a nut tree is 30 years ago. You know, so a lot of times when you're installing an edible food forest, if you will, or edible landscaping, you are not necessarily going to be the one benefiting from that. You know, it's going to be your kids or maybe you way down the road, maybe your grandkids, maybe just the person who buys the house from you. But how awesome would it be if then the next house you buy, that person had put that much effort in. So really we can't, we can't think about these um, things as in necessarily investments in ourselves. Mm-hmm. That we don't get that instant gratification like yeah. right away. Yeah. It's not it's not really for us if you think about it. It's for it's for the bettering of the thing. The system is now better because of it. It's like I'm making this thing better and then the next place I'm at I will make that thing better. And the next place I'm at I'll make that thing better. And wherever you find yourself just pouring everything you have into that moment into that place to then better the ones around you better the place you're in and that doesn't mean that you're there to stay that just means that you're there to help that thing that place those people and then you then you maybe move on or maybe you don't and everyone gets a benefit from that I'm like crying right now. <laughs> like, You're so is it emotional. is it because I'm eight months pregnant, or <laughs> is it because that was really great what oh you just said? Gosh. Yeah, I want to leave the world a better place wherever I'm at. Yeah, I think that we have this idea of like, this is mine, and I'm gonna hunker down, and you know, I'm gonna have my own little place, my own little honey hole where I'm like building all this stuff up, and it's for me and mine, you know. But um, that's not really. That's not really how we all survive. You know, we have to have community and and if nothing else, think of it this way, if you want to if you want to be selfish, think of it this way. You're going to benefit everyone else around you and you're going to gain skills that even if that's not your place forever, now you have that skill for the next place and you can start it off even better. So I kind of went way off out of out of the blue of your question, but, but that's like, what we did. I mean, we <laughs> left the place that we had poured so much into, but we are happy we left that for somebody though at yeah. the same time. I wish I like could just text them and be like, "Hey, send, <laughs> send me pictures of those." Yeah, how's it going? Are you enjoying? <laughs> are you enjoying the Did edible you rip landscape? Out, like, everything we worked or so maybe hard they for? are enjoying parts of it. You know, yeah, even yeah. just the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. If they're not eating everything that's back there. Yeah, I hope you know if something were to happen now, those people have you know a little bit of food production on their own on their own property and so that's super cool but to actually answer your question from way back there um i would say get started you know if somebody is like hey where how you know don't get don't get paralyzed by all the options just get started you might fail here and there and that's okay you may plant a tree and then realize that was a dumb place to plant (laughs) that tree and have to dig it up and put it somewhere else or have to just get rid of that tree and now you got to plant a new one somewhere else and 
yeah, that sucks, but now you learned. You know, um, I used to always say, get on a new property and watch it. Watch it for a year. Watch it go through all the seasons. See how the water moves. See how the animals move. See how you use the property. Um, and then get started. And I still think that's a good rule of thumb if you can. Um, but I would say most people moving on a new property that are like into this kind of stuff aren't patient. I know I'm not. So when, <laughs> so when I get onto a new piece of property, I'm like, well, how can I get started? And I think in permaculture, one thing that they say... And can you define permaculture no, for people who don't know what it is? <laughs> That's a whole other episode. Okay, we'll do another um, episode. No, I would love to define permaculture, um, but it is something... I think it once had a definition, and now it's grown to something that is totally beyond that. And so um, it's, it's something that I can define for myself, and then I can tell you what I think. But it's a lot like a food forest. It's gonna depend on who you're asking. So yeah, maybe one, maybe now we got two different episodes we can do. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll do that in the future sometime. Maybe we'll have somebody else on too that we can have talk about permaculture. But yeah, so one of the one of the things and print in principles in permaculture, it's hard to say, um, is to focus on. I guess the first couple steps are um, access and water, and I think that's reversed. I think water is maybe the first thing um, that you think about is how does water move through the property? How does water move through the system? You know, where do you fit in a water, um, in a like just in in the watershed of your area? Um, are you at the bottom? Are you at the top? You know, all of that. How can you keep water on your property? You know, how can you get water off your property? That's a big one because I mean, obviously, in an extreme case, you have to worry about flooding. Um, and then in the other extreme, you maybe have to worry about um, not having enough water, a drought situation. So um, understanding where your water is coming from and how you're getting it to your plants is big. And then understanding how you are going to move around that property. How do you get to the chicken coop? Is the chicken coop so far away that you're not going to want to walk out there in the middle of the winter and change out waterers because your system can't handle that temperature, you know, because that's a big deal. You know, you don't really necessarily want a stinky chicken coop right up on your house, but you also don't want to walk two miles to replace waters. So all these things um, matter in the system. And so... But you might just have to get started and then see where it goes. And maybe you fail, but then you can go back and make a new plan. Right, right. And you learn from it. That's, That's the key right there is continue to learn from the successes and the failures and then share that with others and then hopefully the next place you go to you don't make that mistake again and those people that you're sharing it with they don't make those mistakes and so we all because we're in a community we can all benefit from the failures of the other you know when you try to do it on your own then now we're all making the same mistake okay community gardens community gardens are cool yeah I think especially if you're in a city setting city setting um then the idea of having a one place that everyone can come and garden in that way is is super helpful but you can do it in an apartment i'll I'll tell you what if you're in a little apartment you can have a rabbit they're super quiet and they're very low maintenance and you can raise and butcher and have meat out of an apartment and you can have a small rabbit system where you're doing multiples of those you may not be able to breed your own you may not Maybe you can, depending on your situation. You don't want to 
totally like wreck your apartment. But I'm just saying you can have a meat production system right there with rabbits or with um, – there's, there's all kinds of different small animals you can use um, for that kind of system. And then putting planter boxes and just growing your own herbs. Just start with growing your own herbs on a little planter box outside your window. Bring them in in the winter. Like it's anything. You can be as small as an apartment or as big as like a hundreds acre, hundreds of acres of farmland. You know, just get started is what I would say. What about for the advanced person that is started already? What would you say to them? Well, if they're advanced, I'll just I'll be asking them <laughs> questions. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think you learn from what your experiences are. Like I have a I have a focus on like woody perennials because I love fruit, you know, and that's kind of where it comes from. So fruit producing woody perennials is like my thing. And then native fruit producing woody perennials has kind of become my focus just because of where I'm at. You know, I'm in the native space. And so I am constantly interacting with those plants. And then obviously I'm always eating food. So I'm constantly interacting with food, different types of foods. And so um, that to me is is what my focus is. But I have friends that are doing um, medicinal herbs all the time. It's like that's their thing. They're messing with herbs and they're, they're processing herbs and they're using herbs and they're suggesting herbs to others for certain things. So they're all about that piece of it. And so if you were to ask me, oh, what plant should I plant to get started? I'm going to start listing off different like native edible woody perennials that produce fruits because that's what I think about all the time. They're going to start listing off different like like Ethan. He's going to start listing off different uh, vegetables that you can plant and like how they interact with each other and the best ways to amend soil and to build a raised bed because that's the space he's in. Um, or Aaron, he's, he's going to start listing off like different herbs or in his case mushrooms that you can um, either source or grow yourself that are going to help with this, this, and this ailment or, you know, being more clear of mind or whatever. It's not the space I'm in, so I can't talk to it. But Yeah, we can have them on the podcast yeah. sometime we've already, too. We've already talked about like five different more episodes <laughs> we can do, so that's perfect. But yeah, I think it's just, it depends on the person. It depends on the needs. Um, you can go get find somebody to design a system for you, and that's going to be awesome but it's going to be from their perspective. So I would definitely say be a part of the process because you're the one that's going to have to manage it. And so you want to be aware of what's of what's going into it. Make sure it matches with your life. And I think I wrote this the other day um, to somebody. Uh, your, your system, your design of your system is like a finger, your fingerprint on the landscape. You know, it's, it has everything to do with you because you're the manager of that system. And the important thing is that you are a part of it and you're not looking at it as a separate thing from you. Like your your land, your permaculture system, your garden, it's just all an extension of who you are in that area. And that's what makes it, that's what makes it, I guess, agriculture. That's what makes it the system that you're designing is you. So mm-hmm. just... Just looking at it as just an extension of yourself instead of a separate thing. And you can look at a cornfield and you don't see the farmer. But if you go to a permaculture farm, you see the farmer. You know what I'm saying? Even without meeting them. Mm-hmm. So for the experts, it's like 
get get together and help each other. You have in to. A way. Yeah, because you're going to be blinded by your proximity to the thing. And so if you can bring other people in that are experts or not, that they just have different perspectives, then you're going to see it from a different lens. And then you're just going to be able to have more of a, a holistic approach to the system and less of a direct, like, attack from just your perspective and so you're just you will benefit from the community i can't say that enough this has been a really eye-opening topic to talk about and we're really thankful for everyone listening in today thank you so much for growing with us